Support for KVLU is made possible in part by Visit Port Arthur, welcoming visitors from around the world to experience the Cajun capital of Texas. With plenty of Gulf seafood and the natural wonders of Sea Rim State Park and Sabine Lake, enjoy paddling, fishing, sailing, and world-class birding amidst two migratory flyways. More info at visitportarthurtx.com. From KVLU Public Radio in Belmont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands, the companion podcast where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the KVLU radio docuseries exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas. This is Shannon Harris. For this episode, we're sharing a profile of the McFadden Ward family and historic home from a recent Bayou Lands radio broadcast. First up, you'll hear Jason Miller's conversation with Sarah Parker about the history of the McFadden and Ward families and how their legacy is still preserved today. And after that, you'll hear an extended cut of my audio tour of the McFadden Ward house, led by docent Brianna Cross. We hope you enjoy. The McFadden Ward house has been one of Beaumont's landmarks for over a century now. Now as a museum for many years, it continues to host tours and musical events and lectures and various uh, celebrations that are open to the public. However, the Elegant House was the home of the McFadden Ward family. Up next, my guest is Sarah Parker. She is the marketing manager for the house. We're going to be talking about the dynamics of the McFadden Ward family. Well, before we get started, Sarah, thanks for being on Bayou Lands. Thank you for having me. Well, um, this segment here, um, we're exploring um, the McFadden Ward house, literally, and a, uh, and a tour uh, coming up later in the show. Um, but before that, uh, we thought that we would we would sit down a bit and talk about something that you don't usually always get all of the you know dynamics of when you do a house tour, specifically when there's a lot of objects and eras and stuff like that. Sort of the family that lived there. Um, so my first question is, is like, um, the family dynamics, like who was the matriarch and patriarch and, and when did they, when did they settle into the house that still stands over on Calder and Beaumont? Uh, so the McFadden Ward house was home to the McFadden family for 75 years. Oh, wow. Uh, WPH and Ida McFadden moved their young family into the house in 1907, uh, in January of 1907, they had three children, Mamie the eldest, then Perry, WPH Jr., okay. and Caldwell the youngest uh, son. And they lived in that home. Mamie uh, McFadden lived in the home her entire life uh, after that point. So, like, how did they, I guess you could say, like, how did they get here? Like, how did they meet? And, uh, that's and I think I should, the McFaddens were some of the early settlers of Texas uh, okay. and the Beaumont area specifically. So WPH was born in Beaumont and okay. had established himself as an accomplished businessman, uh, had garnered considerable wealth in the cattle ranching business, mm-hmm. and Ida was actually his second marriage. Okay. How did they meet since he was from Beaumont already? Was she from Beaumont? Um, 
Ida actually was from a prominent family in Huntington, West Virginia. Okay. And she had come here to visit a school friend. She was younger than WPH, and they met uh, while she was here and fell in love. Okay. And that we have in our collection this letter that Ida's father wrote back to WPH when he requested her hand, talking about um, how sure he is that their love is true and, and giving his permission. Okay. So, so she had to relocate considerably in that era. She yeah. was from a very um, well-brought-up lifestyle. So, yes, yeah. it was. Okay. Um, but she considered herself a Texan. She says that, okay. um, but she did visit home a lot over the course of her life and bring the children to spend a lot of time with the Caldwell family as well. Okay. So they were they were pretty well off though themselves living there. I mean, just by looking at the house, you can see how it's it's a it's a mansion of sorts. Yes. Yeah. The um and and also one thing too that I always find interesting is they they had he was cat in the cattle business had a lot of land around it, so they owned a big portion of of what is what became more and more Beaumont, I guess you could say. Uh, yes, the McFadden land holdings were actually quite large. Yeah. Um, they, at the height of their land empire, owned a significant um, portion of land uh, along the Gulf Coast. So mm-hmm. if you're familiar with McFadden Beach, Searam yeah. State Park, that was initially McFadden land. But as part of um, WPH McFadden's significant land holdings, yeah. he owned the land that Spindletop was on. Oh, okay. So when the Spindletop Gusher came in in 1901, he increased his wealth even more. Yeah. So at the time of WPH and Ida McFadden's marriage and meeting one another, he had lived in a simple ranch-style home um, near where the McFadden Ward House stands today. Okay. So Ida Caldwell, coming from a prominent family in West Virginia, she was always considered um, an elegant, sophisticated woman and had been accustomed to a certain lifestyle. And uh, she wanted a larger home to raise their family in. And initially, uh, he built her a beautiful Queen Anne-style home that stood on Calder, closer to where downtown Beaumont is today Mm -hmm. than the McFadden Ward House stands. And uh, the initial occupants of our historic home was actually WPH's sister and brother-in-law, the Averills. They had commissioned Henry Codrad Bauer, the architect, Mm -hmm. to build the home. But um, it's unclear historically why the two families changed houses. We believe it's because the Averills felt that the home was too big. Mm. Their children weren't in the house anymore. Our McFaddens had younger children. So they swapped homes. And okay. our family moved in in January of 1907. We know that very shortly after they held a musicale in the music room. So we know they were in there at that time that year. What are some of your, like, any stories that you run across that are particular favorites about the family, members of the family, family dynamics in, in, in that kind of area? Uh, Ida McFadden sounds like such a powerhouse. She was involved in so many civic organizations and also looped her daughter Mamie in. Mm. She followed right in her mother's footsteps. So Ida was involved with the Beaumont Children's Home. 
the Red Cross. They volunteered during both world wars, making mm-hmm. bandages. Ida actually headed the Red Cross. And then she was very involved in the Daughters of the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite stories about her is that she was a legend in the DAR in her day mm-hmm. and was out creating these chapters and just really looked up to by all of these women and in, in her status by being driven around in this vehicle. Okay. It was like, I, I was her family like an, a revolutionary war family? She like did. Uh, yes, yeah, she did tra- trace her lineage back. Um, they they were in, in the revolution. And, and the McFadden family, they also have strong ties. Um, they fought in the Texas Revolution okay. as well. So... They've got a, a lot of history in the family of service. Perry McFadden was actually drafted uh, during World War One, mm. but it wasn't until late in the war in May of 1918. So he never saw combat. But I have found in our archives these letters that he was writing to his mother when he's in training uh, off of California's coast and just longing to be home as Thanksgiving rolled around and the holidays were coming up. He was just very desperate to be with his family after the armistice and and was actually uh, discharged in December of 1918 and made it home for Christmas that year. Okay. So it was like the, uh, what do you say, they're kind of a close family or? They do, um, from what we can tell, seem like they were a very close family. Um, Mamie and her mother, Ida, were extremely close. Mm -hmm. Um, Mamie was married in the pink parlor in 1919. And after her honeymoon with Carol Ward, her husband, that she moved into the what we call the pink bedroom, the bedroom across the hallway of the second floor from the primary bedroom, her parents' bedroom. And that's where she spent her adult life in that home, uh, hosting events, opening up that beautiful home to the community and doing charitable works uh, alongside her mother. Okay. So it, uh, so it was a multi-generational home for a while. And, and it was. It, yeah. Sadly, Carol and Mamie had no children. And okay. it was as Mamie came to her later years and had lost her parents and lost Carol and had no children that she began to look at the historical significance of her home. Mm -hmm. The family kept amazing records of purchases that are now part of our collection, um, unique to the museum. We have more than 35,000 objects in the collection, Mm -hmm. and they are all uh, original to the home, purchased by the family during their time in the home. So she knew all of these things would have value for future generations. And that's why um, toward the end of her life, she established the Mamie McFadden Ward Heritage Foundation to see the dream of her beloved family home becoming a museum and turn that into reality. Okay, so she was very forward-thinking in that way, too, as being a civic person, also looking at preservation history. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating that she she thought of it that way. She did. She left... um, really great plans for um, what she envisioned the museum being and Mm. her close close bond with her mother is what led her to want the museum 
um, interpretation, how we tell the family story Mm -hmm. to be in the time period that she lived in the house uh, with her mother. So that is the the part of their lives that that we tell up until the 1950s. Mamie uh, lived until 1982 in the home, but she wanted to focus on that that period that that they were together in the home. Did she update it very much when she was there, or was it she still kind of kept it, you know, even vintage for for that time? You think about it, you look at like the 70s and think of the 50s, it's still pretty vintage. Yeah, some of the rooms changed along the way. Um, Ida made changes herself moving into the home. There, there have been additions um, and updates made, and we've continued the tradition of restoring and uh, keeping things in working condition, too. We just had a a major electrical upgrade um, this past year. The house was still running on the original knob and tube wiring from its construction more than a century ago. And now we have a state-of-the-art electrical system. But decorative styles, um, it's a mix of those periods um, when you're touring the home that you'll see uh, different styles from different eras. But generally... um, especially the ground floor is more of the the earlier part of the 20th century okay. reflected in those styles. Well, that's, that's, um, thanks for, for coming by and talking about this as part of the, the story that we're going to tell. We've, we've, um, we've been able to tour the house and we're going to feature that in this same uh, program. So thanks for coming. Give us some background on the family that lived there. Oh, my pleasure. Brianna, thank you so much for inviting me into the home. Yeah, welcome to the McFadden Ward House. Thank you. So, the McFadden Ward House was constructed in 1906. Um, Originally, WPH, William Perry Harry McFadden, the patriarch of the McFadden home. His sister, Di Avril, constructed the home. However, WPH exchanged, you know, property and money to take over the home for his family. And they moved in in 1906. In some capacity, the McFadden's lived in the home until Mamie's death in 1982. So in 1982, and she actually prepared for that before her death, right? That the home would be a historic home, that it would be a place that would be preserved. Yes, ma'am. So she created a foundation to help preserve the home for education and culture in the Beaumont community. And and so you're still following her wishes this many years later. So that's pretty incredible. Yes, it is an amazing feat. We have um, a wonderful volunteer team that helps out with tours in the home and many visitors throughout the year. Yeah, okay, well let's take a look. Yeah. So the front porch is very massive. The McFadden's love to entertain and it was also something that was kind of the responsibility of prominent families to entertain the community. They would have parties here, meetings for charitable organizations. There was a lot of space for tables and dancing, as well as refreshments and small orchestras and bands. So that was something that the McFadden's did pretty frequently, was to entertain guests. So here in the entry hall, the McFadden's were all about appearances and first impressions, and rightfully so, being a prominent family in society. So when guests would visit the home, they were welcomed by the butler or the head maid into the McFadden home. This extravagant entrance hall really gives guests a positive first impression of the family. 
in their status in society. It's exquisitely decorated, especially for the holidays. We have a lot of Christmas decorations up. The women of the McFadden family, they loved to shop and they had a very keen eye for decoration. So that is something that's very displayed here. And when guests would visit the McFadden home and the family were either not in or not unable to take guests, they would leave a calling card on the sideboard in the front hall so they could leave messages for the family mm -hmm. and they would know that they visited. Okay, so the things that stand out to me uh, in this entryway, obviously the staircase, the fireplace is amazing. I I'd love to know a little bit more about that because um, it really makes a statement when you walk in. And then these green panels, I guess that's part of the holiday decoration? Yes, so the fireplace is actually a kit fireplace. So it was like bought as a kit and then constructed in the home. It also represents that when you walk through the McFadden house, there's a lot of different styles from different eras. Lots of constant renovation and redecorating going on in the home. So this is just one earlier trend in American interior decorating that kind of stuck in the home as the home grew around it. And then we do have some green draperies on the pocket doors on the first floor. There is a family crest. It is not the McFadden's family crest, but it is just kind of a cool little mm -hmm. detail. And then usually for the holidays, we include some garland. When guests would visit the McFadden home, they would be welcomed into the pink parlor. This was more reserved for formal occasions, such as dinners or maybe holiday parties. This room also saw a very amazing part of the McFadden history, was when Mamie McFadden married Carol E. Ward on May 22nd, 1919. They had the ceremony in this room, and then Mamie also descended the front staircases in her wedding gown. Wow. Mm -hmm. And is this her in the photograph? Yes, in the pink parlor, you will see a photograph of Mamie on her wedding day in her wedding gown. So it's a cool little part of history we have. And another unique aspect about this room is that it has canvas wallpaper that was hand painted by a traveling artist. Mm. And you can never track down traveling artists, especially in the early 1900s. So in order to preserve the decoration on the walls, they had conservators use pink pearl erasers to erase the soot and the dirt off the walls. Now, I noticed that in a lot of the rooms, you have displays of clothing or accessories from the collection. Now, is that something that you change out frequently? Yes, usually the clothing that you'll see in rooms such as the entry hall and the pink parlor are usually reserved for Christmas to show off some of the more elegant clothing that they would wear for these formal occasions. But in some rooms on the second floor, like the bedrooms, we would switch out some clothing in there year round. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know your collection is quite extensive. How do you go about choosing items? Do you know? <laughs> yes, so we have thousands of items in our collection. And the cool thing about the McFadden Ward House and its collection is that everything was owned by the family. It's all original to the home. Everything that was on the grounds at the time is considered an object. So we do have an interpretation of the McFadden Ward House. It is only from about 1906 to the 1950s when Mamie and Ida still lived in the home together. So we tend to use objects that are from that time period, meaning we have a lot of objects and 
items that Mamie had in her later years that are reserved in the collection. Okay, great. But you do share those on social media sometimes, right? Yes, and our exhibits that we have in the visitor center, those don't have an interpretation constraint, so we do frequent exhibits that show off some of those objects. Okay, great. This is really stunning, by the way. Yes, you'll see a bunch of objects in the McFadden home that are marble and other really exquisite materials and statues, but this particular statue in the corner is a very unique piece to the collection. So the formal dining room, we consider it just the dining room, but this is the more formal of the eating spaces in the home. This would be reserved for family dinners, holiday occasions, and things like that you will see usually a very vast um, collection of dinnerware and silverware in this room. The sideboard, the vitrine, and the plate rail allow the McFaddens and our curator to display some of those really unique items they have in the collection. The Tiffany lampshade that you can see in the visitor center when you come for tours would have hung over the dining room table till about the 1930s when Ida decided to replace it with the crystal chandelier that you can see today. So I'm assuming that you refer back to historical photographs to know what to use during each uh, season and you know where the placement of items would be? Yes, we do have a lot of photographs from the times that the McFaddens did live in the home that show us you know, how places were set and how furniture was crafted. And then also the curator will use historical evidence from the times and how upper class families usually tended to meals and things like that to set yeah. that up. Is there anything in this room that you would like to point out to our listeners? I do want to point out the setting on the table. Meals were usually served a la russe by the household staff. So each course would come individually. Today, we do have our Christmas interpretation out, so that is to showcase just how extensive the meals were. Multi-course meals, many different things being brought out, so the household staff really had to work hard mm -hmm. to ensure that these occasions moved very smoothly. It's beautiful. So the butler's pantry was where the household staff would work and navigate this space very frequently. Compared to the dining room, which is very dark and has a very formal aura, the butler's pantry is very bright. It's very small and compact, but there's a lot of space to use efficiently. The McFaddens had a revolving staff of about seven household staff members, and they would contract some others for big events or spring cleaning, things like that. The kitchen has a system for household staff to know where to go when they were needed in the home. So when you enter rooms like the primary and the green bedroom, you'll see these little diamond-shaped buttons, a little circular button that you push inside a diamond. And it comes to this little contraption in the kitchen. It's got a bell on top, and there's about 16 numbers with arrows beneath them. And when that button was pushed, the bell would ring, the number would light up, and the arrow would shoot up. So the, st the household staff would have to know what number corresponded to which room, but when they were being contacted by family members or other household staff, they knew where to go in the home. Mm -hmm. It's pretty unique for the time. It's a useful piece of technology that I hadn't heard about much before mm -hmm. I started working here. So it was unique to me to see, and I'm pretty sure it was pretty rare for its time. Yeah. 
So during our 2023 electrical renovation, something that they wanted to do was bring a lot of light to this space. It's already a bright room, but you, can't, you couldn't really see the objects in the shelves. So um, they had the idea to brighten it up. They added lights into every individual shelf. So now you can really see how all of this extravagant china and dinerware just shows mm -hmm. and sparkles. Yeah. So many different styles too. Yes, the McFadden women love to shop and also <laughs> china collecting. That was a very big hobby for upper class women. Um, they weren't expected to traditionally work, so they had to find a lot of different ways to fulfill their time. And something that they also did was dabble in a little bit of china painting. So we do have two sets in our collection that Ida and Mamie painted. So the kitchen is also a space where the household staff was frequently working to ensure the McFadden home was running smoothly. In this space, we like to highlight um, Lewis Lemon. He was the McFadden's cook for 37 years. He originally worked at the McFadden Ranch and Ida had his cooking and she was like, you have to come work for us at the house. So he did. He had an apartment over at the carriage house and he would come every day to cook for the family. He was illiterate, so he couldn't read or write. So all of his recipes were done by memory. And because of this, he was very reluctant to change. And Ida wanted to get a gas stove. However, Mr. Lemon worked very well with a wood burning stove and he didn't want to deviate from that. So Ida compromised and they had a wood burning stove and a gas stove to allow him to work and other household staff members wow. to work. He was known for his temperamental disposition. He was still a very, you know, hard worker for the McFaddens. He would throw peppers on the wood burning stove top to keep people out of his workspace. Um, and he also made very tasty tea cookies. WPH would stuff them in his pockets when he was going on to the ranch and the children would sneak in and steal them. So it's, kitchens do, it's kind of the central part of a home and mm -hmm. even, you know, in these early 1900s, these wealthy families that don't tend to look like the average American family, it was still a very central place to the home. So this next room is the breakfast room and the conservatory. Personally, my favorite room in the home. I love it in here. This is actually considered the more informal of the dining spaces in the McFadden home. Typically, this would be used for family members as they were taking their meals on their own time, frequently throughout the day. WPH, he would have to travel to the McFadden Ranch, which is around the Winnie area today. And he would get up as early as 5 a.m. and be out the door by 6. So that meant that the household staff had to rise fairly early to be able to prepare him breakfast, and he would take it very early in this space. Today, we have it set up as if it was buffet style for a family event, particularly a Christmas celebration. The conservatory is usually what draws visitors' eyes, however. There is an extensive amount of art glass. The difference between art glass and stained glass is that art glass is colored all the way through, whereas stained glass is only on one side, so this side of the house actually faces east. So as the sun rose, you would be able to see this vast amount of color wow. in this room. The fountain in the center of the conservatory did not work for a long period of time. However, during our 2023 electrical renovation, they were really wanted to find a way to bring it back to how it would have looked when the McFadden's were here and it would have been working. 
So they were able to get it working and now you can hear it as you enter this space. And I think it's just, it adds to the It really does, yeah, it's great. And just everything in here is great. I love the great light fixtures. Yes, those are my favorite part of the room as well. They are German and they were imported from Europe. That's something that the McFadden ladies tended to do frequently was import a lot of items from Europe to add to their home. And then the tapestries you see around the room when you visit the McFadden Ward house, those are not original to the home. They are done by the same company who created the original tapestries. However, the originals were very tattered when they were refurbishing the home into a museum. So they were able to create a design that looked as close to the originals as possible. Yeah, words don't really do it justice. <laughs> no, this is definitely a room that you have to visit to see and you will not be disappointed. For sure, yeah. I think Tony's gonna add our director a photo that will be in the space of what the lights look like inside. He snapped them. They're actually hung individually on a metal piece, so each grape is on its own little hanger. Stem. Yeah, they're yeah, they're really <laughs> yeah. intricate works of art. Yeah. So the library, now today it does not look like a library, but prior to the mid-century it was a darker space with more bookshelves. Um, having a full collection of encyclopedias was actually a big status symbol in the 20th century, so the McFaddens have extensive volumes of encyclopedias and other uh, academic works. The library today looks more like a modern living room. It's got a couch, um, many different ways of seating. Ida and Mamie would have bridge and sewing clubs in this room. And this is also a space for the family to retire after dinner and other formal events. So something that is weird to see nowadays is cigarettes just so open in the library and it was actually seen as a social faux pas to not offer your guest something to smoke in the 20th century. So now we don't condone smoking here at the museum today, but that is something that the McFaddens would have frequently done just yeah. as members of society. Right, and you're, I'm assuming these aren't real cigarettes, but uh, are they? <laughs> I do believe that the ones we have in our collection are real examples really? of unfiltered cigarettes. Wow, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So the sun porch was a later addition to the home. They actually closed off a portion of the massive porch you see in front of the McFadden house to construct it. This was considered to be Mamie's favorite room. She liked to come in here after a long day and just kind of relax. And she also had a view of Calder. Now all of the buildings, the landscaping you see today when you visit the McFadden home were not here at the time. In fact, in 1906, it was really just a big house in an area of plains. So Beaumont kind of built up around the McFadden home. And at the time when this room was constructed, Mamie would be able to look out onto Calder and see the streetcar and the hustle and bustle of that main street in mm -hmm. Beaumont. So this room was constructed in the 1920s and then in the 1930s, this terrazzo flooring was added. And the 1930s were all about art deco and you really see that design choice here displayed in the sunroom. So the music room was a room that the McFaddens would have used to entertain guests. However, in the post-Victorian era, as radios became popular, and then later TV and video, music rooms kind of fell out of favor. 
This room also houses some of our most unique items in the collection. Over the mantel on the fireplace, you will see a pansy vase. This was done by some students of Louis Comfort Tiffany who did the Tiffany lampshade. And then on a sideboard on the other wall, we have Gloria. She is a pendulum clock and she's a part of a limited series that was done by the Ansonia Clock Company in 1901. Originally, it was just the statuette. The pendulum was missing and when a clock conservator came through, they were wondering where the pendulum was. So the curator at the time scoured the collection, finally found the pendulum and put it together. So now this makes Gloria today. She's winded in the back, so as long as she is wound once a week and her time is set, she will continue to swing mm -hmm. and work. Now the garden, has that always been here or was that added later? We do believe that the Rose Garden was a later addition to the McFadden home. It was definitely here by the time that the museum was opened okay. to the public. However, we're not quite sure exactly when construction began yeah. on the Rose Garden. Because it's so beautiful um, in the springtime and, and the summer, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, it goes so well with the house, you know? Yes, and then our grounds team works tirelessly, especially with the summer we had this year. Yeah. It was very hot. So they were working around the clock to preserve the way that the Rose Garden looks. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a very good job with the resources that they have. So anytime someone takes a tour, a garden stroll is included. So anyone can have access to And you can come anytime, right, to stroll through the garden, even if you're not coming for a tour. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. As long as you check in at the visitor center, just to let us know that you're here, you have access to the grounds. Okay, great. And then just to mention a little bit about the tours, you're open for tours all the time. You accept walk-ins. We do. Our tour hours during the day um, are Wednesdays through Saturdays from 9 to 2.30. And then on Sundays we do audio tours, which is just the first floor from 12.30 to 2.30. Usually walk-ins we will try to account with any tours that are scheduled or if we have docents available. However, you can always do a first floor tour, which is the audio tour. And that's also self-paced. So if you want to go at your own time, and look through the first floor of the house, the audio tour is a perfect option. Okay, great. And then if you want to see all three floors, you need to sign up for a docent-led tour. We definitely recommend making reservations just so we can ensure we have a specific time and a docent for you to see right. the house. Okay. The primary bedroom served as Ida and WPH's bedroom. WPH would rise pretty early in the day to start his preparation for work in the ranch, but Ida and her daughter Mamie were not expected to work traditional jobs. They often did charitable work and things like that. So there's a breakfast set in the primary bedroom. Ida would use this in the morning. The household staff would bring her breakfast to her and she would take it in her chambers in the morning. Across the way, in the adjacent green bedroom, a breakfast set mirrors this one, so that would allow Ida and Mamie, and then later Ida's sister, Wida, to converse with each other in the morning. Would you like to say anything about the outfit that is on display? 
Yes, so this is a room where some clothing items in our collection would usually rotate since it is a bedroom to kind of display how the women would dress during the time period. This is a very exquisite evening gown. So this is kind of, you know, Ida getting ready for the Christmas festivities and the party that they would be having. Lots of sequins and fur. We'll just say yeah. that. <laughs> very extravagant. Mm -hmm. Just that's something that comes out every once in a while. The room is painted in a certain green color. This is called Looney Green. There was a Boma interior designer who actually created the color. Ida loved it, so in this room, and then the room, the library on the first floor, those are some rooms that have this color. Okay. So it's pretty unique. The green bedroom was Mamie's childhood bedroom growing up. So before her marriage to Carol E. Ward in 1919, she inhabited this space. This is another example of a thematic room. No room in the McFadden house looks the same. They're not similar. Each room has its own design choice, its own colors. It's a very unique aspect of the McFadden home. The breakfast set in the center, like I said, mirrors the one in the primary bedroom. After Mamie married Carol. She moved on to the pink bedroom, which was her and Carol's room. And Ida's sister, Wita, lived in West Virginia. However, she would frequently visit her sister in Beaumont. So she kind of took this as her bedroom, her guest bedroom, okay. following Mamie's marriage. Mm -hmm. So she would be able to sit here and converse with her sister as they woke up in the morning. We have some luggage in here that kind of represent her visiting for the holidays. It's very feminine. Yes. Lots of flowers. And another unique aspect of the room is that it has its own bathroom that was very rare for a young girl to have her own restroom bathroom in the early 20th century. So, yeah, pretty unique. And it's a big bathroom. It is. I would have loved to have a space like this, <laughs> especially as a young girl. Oh, and the floor is great so, too. Yes, very awesome. The second floor's front hall is just a space for the McFadden's to kind of display some of their more unique pieces. There's some very fine Japanese style furniture that actually came from Wida's estate. She passed away in the late 1950s and left a portion of her estate to Mimi. So we have some of those pieces on display here. There's also a Joseon era Korean chest and this served as Mimi's hope chest. A hope chest was usually crafted by women in the 20th century to display some of their hopes and wishes for their marriage. So Mamie's chest did house some of those items. And this is a really interesting piece right here on top of the chest. That's I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I know, that's the thing about the McFadden Ward House is that there's so many pieces that the McFadden simply just bought because they liked. So you'll see a bunch of statues and paintings that just kind of fit their taste at the time. Mm -hmm. The wallpaper is great. Is that wallpaper or paint? This is wallpaper. So you'll actually see a portrait rail along the edge of the ceiling in most of the McFadden Ward House bedrooms and other rooms. And that's to ensure that by hanging or by not hanging a piece on the wall, it doesn't damage the wall or the wallpaper. Yeah. And then this area opens up onto the second floor veranda, I guess? Or? So that's a sleeping porch. Okay. And that would have been used by the family. There's two full-size beds out there. 
it is a screened-in room, so during the warmer months when it just got too stuffy in the home, the McFaddens would have gone out there to sleep in the night. Now, the blue bedroom was just simply a guest bedroom, usually reserved for family and friends as they were visiting the home. We do have it set up and interpreted as a guest bedroom. There's some pretty unique pieces in this room, one of them being the peacock lamp. It's a very eccentric piece and it always kind of grabs visitors' attention when they visit the home and come on our docent-led tours. The bathroom was originally a closet, so it was retrofitted to be a fully equipped bathroom for their guests. And you can see when you look into this space how it was used pretty efficiently. It's very compact, mm -hmm. but it allows them to have a bathroom. The home has closets too, mm -hmm. um, yes. which is can be unusual for a historic home. Especially the amount of closets. There's a lot of storage space. And that's actually an idea that Henry Conrad Maurer, the architect, had in mind when he was creating the McFadden home. It was not only about, you know, looking good and being admired, but it was also using the space efficiently. So he allowed for lots of storage to be, you know, placed in the home so mm -hmm. the McFaddens could store their objects. And they had a lot of stuff, yeah, right. so they it was used it. pretty good. <laughs> The pink bedroom was Mamie and Carol's bedroom following their wedding. And it was also Mamie's first opportunity to decorate a space solely to her liking. A lot of the decorative decisions in the home were done by her and Ida, but this was her personal space. So you can see a lot of formal art inspiration. There's some vases on the mantle that had these really exquisite classical designs. And then it's all pink, so that's what's cool about this room is that she kept it all th also thematic in a way. The but it's not an obnoxious pink. It's it's really subtle and mm -hmm. soothing. It is. I feel like she was really happy in this space. She dyed the carpet to match the pink of the <laughs> room, so she was very committed to yeah. this theme that she chose. Their portraits are also hanging in this room. Mamie's is also the same that you see in the visitor center. This is the original. The one in the visitor center is a reproduction. And then Carol's is opposite the wall to her. Carol lived in the home with his wife until his death in 1961. So after that, Mamie was the sole McFadden ward inhabitant of the home until mm -hmm. her death in 1982. I love the radio. <laughs> yes, and that kind of shows how the McFaddens both stayed with their own traditional preferences, but also grew with the time. The house was continuously being renovated, and a lot of decorative trends are on display here. And she mentions that a lot in her diaries as what she did right before bed, reading or listening to the radio. Okay. So compared to the other bedrooms in the McFadden home, the north bedroom is less decorated. It's still very finely decorated, but it has more of a, a use for efficiency. It was used for its efficiency. When the McFadden's first moved into the home, this was Perry and Caldwell's bedroom. They were young boys at the time, so they were able to share a bedroom. 
and WPH also would utilize this as his dressing room. There's an auto valet in here, which was pretty unique for the time for someone to own something like this, to have all of the clothing items on display ready to be put on. When he would come back from the ranch, he was often covered in dirt and mud, so he would come in here also to rinse off. Guests can actually step into the bathroom and see a lot of the unique technology in the bathroom. The shower is very unique. There's a lot of shower heads. There's also a foot bath that he probably would have utilized as well. That is genius. Mm -hmm. Yep. A lot of I love that. I want that. I know. We're like, what is that? Well, let me tell you. Yes. Um, Oftentimes, Ida would be like, you are not going up the front stairs with those boots. So he would come in through the side door, come straight up here to the north bedroom and kind of wash off. He would probably wash his shoes as well or leave them outside because they were probably very muddy. Now, there's a photo in this room. Can you tell us who this woman is? Yes. So there were many inhabitants of the north bedroom, WPH, his children, family guests but also a household staff member lived in this bedroom. Her name is Cecilia Smith. She worked for the McFadden's for most of her life. The McFadden's paid for her and her sister to go to a school in Galveston, so she was educated. And she worked with Mamie for many years, especially following the death of Carol. And as close as an employer and an employee could be at the time, they were very close to each other. I believe Cecilia hurt her hip and it was harder for her to walk from her apartment to the house to conduct the work that she was doing. So Mamie allowed her to stay in the north bedroom. So she ended up providing so many important stories and oral histories that helped the staff at the time craft the story of the McFadden Ward House. And she actually got to see the first floor open up when it became open to the public as a museum. Hmm. That's great. I, that seems remarkable to me that she lived in the home, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, um, the McFadden's took care of their staff and it was seen as a better place to work in the area. It was for the McFadden's home. You were well taken care of and well compensated. Mm -hmm. But she did retain her apartment in the carriage house, which she had. She did, and you can actually step into the carriage house, into her apartment and to Lewis Lemon's apartment and kind of see how they live. That's great. I think you do a great job of interpreting not just the family, but their uh, their staff. Yes, the household staff. It's, it's not only the story of the McFadden family and Carol Ward, but it's also the story of how the household staff was and how Beaumont kind of turned into what it is today. And all those stories, I think, are accurately represented here. The third floor is kind of a boy's room, kind of like a man cave. It's it's decorated in a more masculine way compared to the second and the first floor. And that's because this is mostly a place that the men would retire. Um, we have the billiards room, which has the billiards table. There's a card table for games, poker, dominoes, things like that. And it's also where WPH's personal office was. In the back hall, you'll see some skates. And this was a way for the McFadden boys to sort of entertain themselves. And when you're on the third floor, you can actually see grooves in the floor that the McFadden boys, I guess, were skating inside, <laughs> which I'm sure that drove Ida crazy. But it's kind of cool to see that physical part of history. 
the West bedroom. That was Caldwell's bedroom. He was the youngest of the McFadden boys, the McFadden children, and he was bookish, especially compared to his brother, Perry. He attended Rice for his undergrad, and he ended up going to Harvard to get a law degree. And once he was finished with his schooling, he came back to help his brother and the father with the family business. When you see the boys' rooms on the third floor, you will see that they are starkly decorated compared to the rooms on the second floor. And that's because, you know, they were working, they were out in the community. Perry was very involved with Boy Scouts, the first troop in Beaumont he was a part of. So really bedrooms were kind of just a space for them to rest and get dressed and, and go on with the day. Yeah, not a show place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. The billiards room, that is where WPH's private office is. It allows him to kind of conduct his business at home, away from the ranch and the privacy of his own space, and also where men would go and hang out after dinner. They have the billiards table. It's a massive part of the room, and so many people are really surprised on how well-preserved it is for its age. There's also a wet bar, and that was actually very common for everybody across social classes to find ways around prohibition. <laughs> so it was used even during prohibition, um, but it's kind of just, yeah, it's the man cave. It's where they would hang out and it's very, it's a very structured room. You can see the different aspects of here's the office, here's the billiards table, here's the game space and then spaces for seating mm -hmm. as well. The East bedroom is Perry's bedroom. He was the middle child, pretty rambunctious, especially compared to his brother. He went to Rice for his undergrad, but he ended up coming back and working hands-on with the ranch. So his room is another room that is very decorated for efficiency. Even the arts and crafts lamp that we have in there, that furniture style was mainly crafted for usage, not to just solely be admired. Mm -hmm. So that's something you see about the different floors is that the way that they were crafted really goes with the way that the McFadden's lived. Our seagull wallpaper in the third floor bathroom is a reproduction of the original wallpaper. It was a sanitary style. At that time, they were first starting to understand about germs and what that meant. So sanitary wallpaper was used in bathrooms. When the space was being restored originally, the team found a scrap of the original wallpaper to have the reproduction done by Bradbury and Bradbury. And interestingly, as part of our electrical project, for those of us working at the museum now, when they took the door frame off, the electricians, some of the original wallpaper was still behind the door. So we were able to see how wonderful of a job the reproduction really is. It looks so historically accurate to our originals. Yeah, it's really unusual, and it just goes with the room so well. This is a beautiful bathroom, by the way. This space is the only one where each bedroom doesn't have its own bathroom okay. that it would have been shared. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even in the carriage house, there is a bathroom, there is plumbing, so the employees who lived in the carriage house also had access to indoor plumbing, which would have been really unique for that time period, the early part of the 20th century. Yeah, that alone is a reason to work here. <laughs> and the electricity was all part of the original design, the knob and tube wiring to have um, an electrical system powering the house throughout from the time of its construction was also unique. And yeah. It just goes on forever, it seems it like. <laughs> I think I would prefer to be up here. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I, I like this space just personally. I come and sit on these steps sometimes on the days we're not open. I like the light up here to brainstorm about what I'm up to. Yeah. The skylight here in the third floor front hall, that's another way that prior to AC, um, even when AC central cooling became a thing, only two bedrooms had it in the McFadden house. It was the primary and the pink bedroom. So the skylight is a way, because hot air rises, especially in the warmer months, it probably would have been very stuffy up here. The skylight not only adds natural lighting to the space, but it also allows for cooling on this third floor. Yeah, and is that, that's a fire hose on the wall? Yes, so on the second and third floors, you will see a fire hose. And prior to this house being constructed, I believe the family lived in a Queens Anne home. It was either the McFadden's or it was Di Avril, which was WPH's sister that crafted it. So they had a Queen Anne style home on Calder and it ended up burning down. And just to ensure that they'd be able to mitigate any future fire hazard, they included the fire hose. And there is a fourth floor um, that's a, a small attic space that goes up to the widow's walk also. Mm -hmm. Wow. So much space in this home. Yeah. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for inviting me in and sharing the home. We could probably spend an entire day talking about everything. Absolutely, <laughs> there's just so much to take in with this home. Thank you so much, Brianna. Thank you. Thanks to our guests for this episode, Sarah Parker and Brianna Cross. Audio tours and docent-led tours are always free at McFadden Ward House. For more information, including hours of operation, special events, and tour reservations, visit mcfadden-ward.org. Thanks to the HH and Edna Houseman Charitable Trust for making this program possible since 2016. Additional support is provided by the Jefferson County Tourism Commission. If you enjoy the conversation shared in Bayou Lands, please remember to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Bayou Lands is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU in Beaumont, Texas by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. You can hear the radio broadcast every fourth Sunday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on 91.3 FM celebrating 50 years of public broadcasting in Southeast Texas. Thanks for listening.